Okay. And you guys here, I'll mute you for now, and afterwards we'll reconnect, okay? Recording in progress. <clears throat> okay. Shavua Tov, everybody. It's an interesting time. Rabbeinu says, Rabbi Nachman says, from Purim is made para, and from para is made Pesach. In other words, from the Kedusha of Purim, we come, sorry, from the miracle, from the breakthrough, the salvation of Purim, we come to the purity of para, which was today's activated in this time when there's no Beit HaMikdash and there's no Red Heifer. It's activated by just hearing the parasha of Shabbat para yesterday. This now is the preparation to enable you to receive the light of Pesach, which means that now you have this extra boost of holiness to be able to do the preparations. That's why when you look back, you say, how did I, I don't know where I had the strength to do all these preparations for Pesach. Where did it come from? This is the supernatural strength a person gets from Shabbat para to be able to prepare for Pesach. So I have a little joke on that. Rabbeinu said in that lesson, it's lesson 74, part 2, Likut Imran. He said, Mipur, from Pur, Purim, is made para. So my joke is, from the leftover Mishloach Manot food that you eat, the chocolates and the cakes and the chocolates and you get fat, as from Purim, is made the cow. Para is the cow, you become a cow. That's my joke. That's a joke on what Rabbeinu says. Okay? Got that? I hope you're smiling and laughing. Okay. The topic is very sensitive. Okay, people have been asking me even lately, since the situation is so scary in the Ukraine now with war, why not just simply bring Rabbi Nachman's body once and for all to the Holy Land, to Eretz Yisrael? Why not? So we're going to answer with a story, some history, breast of history, okay? We're going back to 1979, when word got out, rumors, that the Russian government, the USSR, the communist USSR, where at the time Ukraine was a part of, they issued an order to allow the building of another apartment, apartment building alongside the one that's existing today at the corner of Pushkina, you know, at Kikar Pushkina, it's 46 Pushkina, that first building there, which is right behind Rabbi Nachman's grave, they wanted to build another one just like that over Binachman's grave. I don't know how, because the angle is very like sharp on that hill. I mean, today they built up Rabinachman's cave that it's a flat, straight platform. But in the time then, you see the hill. It was a hill filled with bones, filled with tons of bodies, about approximately 30,000 bodies there, okay? So they, they made an issue that they're going to build over there. So there was worry what to do. So the Breslov elders in Yerushalayim, namely Rav Levi Yitzhak Bender and Rav Leo Chaim Rosen, they called over Rav Michal Dorfman and they said to him, we're sending you, because you're the only one who can do this, to America to find somehow a way to get the message to President Carter of the United States to let Russia know that you can't touch the grave of Rabbi Nachman. We can't touch it. It's untouchable. You're not allowed to touch it, you're not allowed to move it, nothing. <clears throat> so, Rav Michal went, okay, while he was there, they had no idea how they're going to do this. There was a, it's a whole story. Part of the story is that while staying in New York, 
Rav, Rav Michal, he was staying by the way, he was, he was, he was hosted by Rav Nosson Maimon, by the way. While he was in New York, he wanted to get a bracha from then one of the leading poskim, halachic authorities of the time, Harav Moshe Feinstein, Allah Shalom, a blessed memory. So to do that, they went to the, I think it's called the Lower East Side of Manhattan, that's where his shul was, Rav Moshe Feinstein's shul. And they went to daven there, Rav Michal and Rav Nosson Maimon, in order to be able to daven together with Rav Moshe Feinstein and get a bracha. However, at that time, Rav Moshe Feinstein in 1979 went through a major heart surgery and he was very weak and very in danger. And he had next to him 24-7, like a doctor always next to him. And the doctor was telling anybody, everybody, don't talk to him, don't get into a conversation with him, it's very dangerous and detrimental to his health if he talks too much. So don't try to talk to him. So Rav Michal came, Rav Nosson Maimon, all the way from the Holy Land, so to speak, <clears throat> to get a bracha from Rav Moshe Feinstein, to succeed in this endeavor of saving Rabbi Nachman's grave from being destroyed. So the doctor was warning them, don't talk to him, don't talk, talk to him. But Rav Moshe Feinstein on his own, he saw this elder Jew from Yerushalayim, Rav Michal, he asked him in Yiddish, who are you? And he said, I'm Rav Michal from the Breslaver Hasidim in, in Eretz Yisrael, in Yerushalayim. And why did you come? He's talking and the doctor can't, say, he can't do anything about it because of Moshe Feinstein. He's the one who was insinuating the, the conversation. So Rav Moshe Feinstein asked Rav Michal, uh, so what brings you here? I came to get a bracha from the posek of the generation to save the grave of Rabbi Nachman. He said, well, why, what's happening? So he told him that now they issued an, an okay permit to destroy the grave of Rabbi Nachman and build another apartment building over that area. So Moshe Feinstein told Rav Michal, no, so now is a good time finally to take Rabbi Nachman's body and bring it to Eretz Yisrael. Now's the time. If it's such a problem to have his body there and now it's in danger, so bring the grave, the, 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 the Tzion, bring it to, to Eretz Yisrael. So Rav Michal, when he told over the story, he said to me like this, he said, it's true Rav Moshe Feinstein knew many books, but it seems he didn't read the book Yemei Mohanat, Rav Nosen's autobiography, The Days of Rav Nosen. Rav Nosen writes there clearly, after, after um, bringing over, relating the story of Rabbi Nachman's passing and burial, he said that Rabbi Nachman was buried in the place that he had chosen for himself already, from the six days of creation to bring about rectification to the entire world, to thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of souls. So he told that to Rav Moshe Feinstein. He said, we can't, we don't have the permission to move Rabbi Nachman's body from there because it was his wish to be specifically buried there amongst the approximately 30,000 martyrs who are buried in Uman. And he said from there he will activate rectification for all the world. So Moshe Feinstein, he heard this, and he said to Rav, Rav Michal, Yehiratzon, may the will of the tzaddik be fulfilled. Whatever this tzaddik Rabbi Nachman wants, that's what should happen. And at that point, Rav Moshe Feinstein was about, he, he came for the beginning of davening and Kriyat Torah, and after Kriyat Torah, because he was weak, he already left to go home with the doctor. So he started walking, he walked because he lived not so far, he was walking. He reached down the block, Rav Moshe Feinstein with his doctor. They stopped. 
And Rav Moshe Feinstein walked back to his shul to say again to Rav Michal, again, I'm st- stressing and saying, you asked me for a bracha, so I'm saying, Yiratzon, it should be the will that whatever this tzaddik wants, that's what should happen, that's what should be, that's what should take place. Okay? We have this story in our breast of history, why we can't touch his grave. He wanted to be there. Some say, some want to bring a proof from the book Chaim Oran, that Rabbi Nachman wanted to be in the Holy Land, but the reason why he chose not to be in the Holy Land was because his followers won't have an essek, won't have any activity with his grave. Now, it makes sense based on that, so take his body, bring it to Eretz Yisrael. But with the events leading up to Uman and his burial there, and his statements, and Rav Nussan's statement, we cannot come along and take Rabbi Nachman from his last wish to be there. As Rav Nussan said clearly, and you may more not. He may have said earlier about being in the Holy Land what he said, but later on we see that he stressed more and more and more his importance of being there in Uman. Okay? Now, for the rumors, because I have to bring this up, the rumors that they want to say, some people want to say that Rabbi Nachman's actually in the Holy Land. He, has, he was actually dug up in the late 90s or something like that, and they brought his body to Eretz Yisrael, and they say, the rumor is, that he's buried in Tzfat, in the cave, if you know a bit about Tzfat, there's a cave facing Rabbi Yishua ben Hananiah, and it says, by the way, by mistake, because it's not true, it says the, the, the cave of Chana v'shiva banea, Chana and her seven sons, along with the author of the Sefer, the book, Chovot Levavot. Okay, by the way, Chana and her seven sons are not buried there. They're buried, mamash below, the, a certain point of the, of the army cemetery, of soldiers, Jewish soldiers who were killed, and they died as soldiers. There's a, there's a, there's a, in Sfat, right above the, the Jewish, the old cemetery, way above, the beginning, beginning, if you want to say, there is a, an Israeli army cemetery, and there's a hill, a very steep hill, in that hill is where they are buried, okay? So now, going back, they want to say that Rabbi Nachman's body was brought there. I, just to make sure I have the facts right, I even today spoke to the person who was an eyewitness. To what? To what happened? What happened in early 1997? We're talking about Kislev Tevet Shvat of the year Tavshin Nun Zayn, okay, so 1997, possibly late 96, already the beginning of 1997, that's what I, I remember, I was here when this happened, that there were rumors that two guys, they went to Uman, and for those who remember, or you've seen pictures of how Rabbi Nachman's grave was over 20 years ago, about 25 years ago, 30 years ago, there were two a duplex houses, two houses together, and Rabbi Nachman's grave was in the with the courtyard, the backyard, if you want to say, the front yard, backyard, whatever, of the, the first house. The famous pictures that you see of the two windows, etc. And attached to that was a duplex of another house, owned by a German who was a soldier in the war, who ended up staying in the Ukraine, and married a, a Ukrainian, and, and lived in Uman. And lived in Uman. So these two guys, they rented the house of the German, and they paid, they paid him a lot of money. He said, we're here for a long time. Don't, don't bother us. We want to be here with our privacy. They gave him good money. And they were there like for Shabbat. Right after Shabbat on Sunday, they started digging in the guy's living room to go deep 
and then from there to go out towards the courtyard and then make a quick sharp left in the courtyard which is where Rabbi Nachman is actually buried. So they started digging and digging and digging, okay? They went very deep because they had to remove the planks and everything that were, that were on, under the floor of the living room and then to dig deeper that they can have standing room. So they dug a bit deep, okay? At that point, they already uncovered tons of bones. Tons of bones of children, baby bones, okay? Because, I don't know if you know the story, how it goes, in the pogrom that took place in Uman in 1768 by Ivan Gunta, the last to be killed in the, in the pogrom, which lasted about three days, were the children. What they did, what Gunta did, if you don't know or don't know, whatever, he erected a canopy over a cross, and what he did was, after giving all the Jewish people their choice, he didn't kill the children yet. He first killed the parents. He didn't kill the parents even, sorry. He took the children away from the parents. He cut off their arms and legs to let them die a slow death. And he told the children, if you don't bow down to this cross, we're going to do the same thing to you. It was such a kiddush Hashem that not even one single child who had a brain, you know, a little baby can't expect to bow. But from the age of three, the age of four, the age of five, not one Jewish child bent to the cross. It was a major, major Kiddush Hashem. These children were killed at the end, meaning they were all killed and piled up together. So that when Rav David Chazan, the student of the Baal Shem Tov, who was living in Uman and survived with nine students, when they started collecting the bodies that were scattered throughout Uman, the mutilated, mutilated, mutilated corpses, so they piled them in this giant Kever Achim, this mass group grave of Jews, and the last to be put on were the children, because they were easily noticeable. They, first, they, they, they buried first the adults, and then the children on top. That's why, when these guys started digging, they were uncovering the bodies, skulls, and skeletons of children. So they dug. Dug, dug, dug. Friday came. Okay? Shabbat came. For some reason, no one knows, the German Goy came to see what's happening at his house. He came to see what's happening. And he looked through and he saw the, the mess in his living room with a giant hole. He called immediately the police and they were arrested and they were sent back, okay? The breast lovers, whoever was there, notified Yerushalayim and breast, the breast lovers Yerushalayim Saturday night what happened. One man, he asked not to be his, his name mentioned, was sent by Rav Michal Dorfman to see what's happening. This man, I spoke to him today, he told me, that when he went into the tunnel, he was sta- in standing position in the living room. But now, when they were dug outwards, they, they, go, they managed, okay, to dig into the courtyard already, and then left already with a meter dug, but in a, in a slant format, to be over the grave of Rabbi Nachman. So I asked him, so that's a proof, possibly, to the rumor that they had access to Rabbi Nachman's grave, and they could have technically already shipped him out Friday from, with other guys that were working for them, so that the body could have been taken to Eretz Yisrael. He said no, because the earth, he, he said he went in, standing, okay, at a certain point when they got to the courtyard and it turned left, there's no more room to be standing, he had to lie flat. So he crawled with candles in his hands, with pieces of bones from these children all sticking out, 
And when he got where Rabbi Nachman is buried, it's a slant, and the earth underneath wasn't dug. You know, when you dig earth and you put it back, and it's fresh, in this case it would have been by Friday, because they dug so much already, the earth was untouched over the grave. So he said, it's impossible that they had enough time to dig, take out the body, and cover it up. And the earth was untouched. They reached over the grave, but it was over like in the first centimeter. Plus, there's a clear tradition that in Ukraine, they would dig very deep, especially for tzaddikim like this, they would dig deep, very deep. And they touched just the surface part over there. So Rabbi Nachman, as we know it, is still there. There's no rumor at all, no basis that he's not there. His body was not touched at all. So hopefully, we covered a lot. It's a very delicate class, I know. There's probably going to be a lot of tkuvot, a lot of uh, <laughs> replies to those or questions and all that. But I just set forth the facts of what we heard from Rav Michal and what happened in 1997. And Bezat Hashem, we can be calm to believe he is still there and that's the place to be. And we don't have any right until Mashiach comes to bring him out. To finalize with what I heard once from Rav Michal Dorfman is that he once saw passingly a copy of what's called Megillat Setarim. Megillat Setarim are, were secrets revealed by Rabbi Nachman to Rav Nosen and Rav Naftali as to what's going to take place in the world until Mashiach comes. And he warned Rabbi Nachman that nobody else is allowed to know about this, only two people per generation. That means whoever passes away first, in this case... Rav Nosen passed away in 1844. Rav Naftali passed away at least 20 years later. So when Rav Nosen passed away in 1844, Rav, Rav, Rav Naftali revealed it to somebody else, a, a man named Rav Aaron Lipovetsker. We won't go into the details there. But he warned Rabbi Nachman, only two people per generation. Rav Nosen, in order not to forget what he heard from Rabbi Nachman, he wrote down what's called Rashi Prakim. In other words, short mem- like, uh, memos that he can remember what Rabbi Nachman mentioned. So this was copied afterwards by Rav Avam ben Rav Nachman. And he, Avam ben Nachman, gave a copy to keep by his brother-in-law, Rav Alter Tepliker. And this got into the hands of Rav, Nos- Rav-, Rav Michal, who-, who, took- who took a look at it. He says, first, you can't understand anything in it. But one thing was able to decipher, he said, was that what was is what will be. In the case that Moshe Rabbeinu had to take with him the bones of Yosef HaTzadik in order to leave Egypt to go into the Holy Land, and without the bones of Yosef HaTzadik, he couldn't leave, so too Mashiach, in a sense vis-a-vis paralleling Moshe Rabbeinu, will have to quote-unquote get permission from the bones of Rabbi Nachman, which is c- comparing to Yosef HaTzadik's bones, in order to bring the Jewish people back to Eretz Yisrael, to bring the, Mash- the revelation of Mashiach. That's what we're hoping now. The world is very shaky, and for us in particular, who our lifeline is being in Uman for Rosh Hashanah, or being in Uman anytime, just to say the Tikkun HaKlali, it's so shaky what's happening right now. Of all places in the world, there's war right now. Where? In Ukraine. And what's unique about Ukraine? That's where our tzaddikim are. That's where our blood, our blood is right now. 
So we're hoping, B'zat Hashem, that there should be some change, some miracle, B'zat Hashem, to open the doors, B'zat Hashem. All right. Thank you for joining. Um, you can WhatsApp questions or email or whatever. And it's good to see all of you. And B'zat Hashem, have a good week. Chodesh Tov, Rosh Chodesh, Nisan on Shabbat, Rabbi Nachman's date of birth, Rosh Chodesh, Shabbat HaChodesh, Shabbat, unbelievable, everything together. So we're hoping for a very big Shabbat, but for everything big, you have to have a major preparation and be strong. Bezat Hashem. You want to ask questions live? Okay, Beseder, you have questions live here, so let's let's bring them. Here, if you have any questions, we're listening. How do you unmute? Yeah, okay. I think you can unmute yourselves. Yes. Yes, Richard. Once again, unmute. Here you go. I can't hear you. How come we can't hear you? One second. How come we can't hear you? Okay. Now you can hear me. Okay. Now we can hear you. Yes. Greetings, my friend from Montreal. We miss you very much. Yes. Oh, my darling chose a very sensitive topic, and uh, and uh, it's it's nifla meod. Listen, um, this last piece that you bring from Nigrat Sitrim is extremely interesting, I, and I think that's why a lot of people that are mikhuaf to Rabenu are actually starting to think about and entertaining this idea more and more that maybe maybe it's possible. And this I've heard just from just you know different ideas that you hear in dress lovers. Maybe it's possible now that Mashiach is here and he already went to Uman. And now Rabbeinu is doing almost a bitul of his inyan. He's like, he's making space for Mashiach, Kivyachon. And this is happening. And this is in front of our eyes. And, uh, you know, if Uman doesn't happen, God forbid, this year, maybe the right thing to do is to bring those bones there. And, you know, maybe that's part of the guilt. Like, how come, I'm, I'm just curious to hear, like, the Mashfim and Breslov, are they not even entertaining this idea? The beginning of the class, we said what, what, what Rav Moshe Feinstein said to Rav Michal. I don't know if you heard that. Rav Moshe Feinstein asked, you missed the beginning, you have to hear the beginning. Rav Moshe Feinstein, he told Rav Michal, whatever the tzaddik wants, that's what should take place. And he stressed it, stressed it twice. Because also Moshe Feinstein, we said in the beginning of the class, he told Rabbi Michal, so why don't you guys bring, why don't you breast livers finally bring Rabbi Nachman's body to Eretz Yisrael? So we said that Rabbi Michal quoted Yemei Mohanat. You have to listen to the beginning of the recording. He quoted Yemei Mohanat. Rabbi, Nach- Rabbi Nosen writes, Kisham hamakom muhan lo misheshet Yemei Bereshit. Rav Nosen writes, that place was already prepared for the Rebbe from the six days of creation. Who talks like that? We know Rav Nosen to go out, Rav Nosen is not the way to speak in exaggerated format. Here, it's really exaggerated. You know, he's saying, Rav Nosen, you have to have broad shoulders to make such a statement. We trust Rav Nosen. We trust Rav Nosen's wording and his accuracy in all of his works. That's his beauty. That's the whole greatness why Rabbi, Rabbeinu, Rabbi Nachman chose Rav Nosen because of his accuracy in his speech and his presentation. To make such a powerful statement that that place is already set for him from the six days of creation. You're going to mess with that? We're going to mess with that? Who has the audacity, the chutzpah, 
to 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 dig open Rabbi Nachman's kever with such a statement behind it of like a warning from Rav Nosin that is prepared from the six days of creation. We don't have we we don't we're not at that level. We're at the level. Anyone, no, no one in the rest of the world has even thought about it to, to dig open and bring his, his people who say we're just fed up traveling to Uman to make it convenient. Yeah, let's bring him to Eretz Yisrael already. It's not, we don't know if that's the real truth, my friend. Right. I hear you. I hear. All right. And, you have one. And, and, and in, in, this, in the situation that, for example, God forbid there's no Uman this year. Is the idea to go to Rabbi Shimon? Is that the, <laughs> the next best thing? Listen, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I don't want to even think of a B, a plan B. Let's think of plan A, Bezat Hashem. That or Mashiach will be here and we'll all be in the Beit HaMikdash. And like it says, if you take a look in Rashi on Shir HaShirim, on the Pasuk, Tsofe Penei Damasek, right? Seeing Tsofe from the frontier of Damascus, Rashi says they're quoting the Midrash, that in time to come, Yerushalayim will reach up to Damascus. All of Eretz Yisrael is going to become Yerushalayim, and the whole world will become Eretz Yisrael. You hear that? You hear that? So I have a chidush that Damascus is love davka, not necessarily Damascus, but the idea of dole umashke. Mitorat Rabo. Why, why is it called Damascus? Why was Eliezer called from Damascus? Eliezer Avdo Damesek, right? He's called Damesek Eliezer. Remember? He's Damesek is his dol, it's 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 a Rashetev, it stands for Doleu Mashke, that he was able to to uh, you know bring out from the well and water from the Torah of his Rebbe. So in the sense, I, it's my, this is my interpretation, that it's a hint to, to Uman, that Yerushalayim is going to reach up to Uman. I mean, I can go on with my ideas, but you know, in, in geography, yeah, I think it's hemisphere, right? Uh, the, what's it called? Um, latitude and longitude. Latitude is, is this way, am I correct? Longitude is from up to down. Latitude is from right to left. The latitude of, listen to this, this is amazing. Latitude of Yerushalayim is 32 degrees, lev, heart. And the latitude of Uman is 48 degrees, Moach, mind, 48. Wow. Yeah. There's a big connection between Yerushalayim and Uman. Let's see what's going to be this year. In the wow. meantime, we have wow. to be happy. We have to be happy. All right. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Baruch Hashem. Nice, nice to see everybody again. And Bezat Hashem. We should have any good things. Wait, don't cut it. There's more questions. Yeah, wait, I see. I see here. One second. Uh, Rav Yehuda Hecht. Yehuda Hecht wrote something. I've heard B'Shem Rav Ichemaya Morgenstern that Rabbeinu Zal is no longer in Uman. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I th- we, we said forth clearly. You got uh, Mr. Mr. Hecht, you have to hear the beginning of the class. <laughs> and the end of the class. All right. Shkoyach. Thank you. All the best. Shalom, everybody. Shkoyach, Rav. Thank you. Shkoyach. Record.